1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Patrick Dardy joined today by Mr. Danny Carter. We will be examining all the fallout from DeAndre Hopkins' six-game suspension before coming back to the draft from a zero-RB perspective. Shocker, that you guys are surprised that we're going to be talking about zero-RB.
2: You know,
1: when we talk about zero-RB, though, we're just really talking about running back, which is what everyone wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So, like, who are some rookies that who might become zero-RB targets? Some veterans that might be zeroed out now? so to speak. We also check in on the Panthers' quarterback situation. Baker Mayfield's latest tra- 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 travels? travels. How do you say that? I wrote a word in my intro that I forgot travails. to say. Travails. Tra-
2: travails, I, I believe. Travails.
1: Um, we're going to talk about Bakes, folks.
2: This, is, this bakes. is the problem with a well-read person, is that you come across words that you never hear, you just read.
1: I mean, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> I mean, not to, to show off to people, but I mean, I read books. Um, I've read some books. And uh, currently reading a book about baseball, if you want to know how highfalutin my topics are.
2: Well, yeah. but didn't you just read one about uh, the nuclear bomb? Or Yes,
1: yeah, so I, oh, I read the book on Oppenheimer, the famous what? biography on Oppenheimer. And then uh, this happened to me with Hamilton. I read the book and like a month later, I found out, you know, it's becoming... A Christopher Nolan film. So I felt like a Johnny come lately. Like, I don't want people to think I read the book because I heard about uh, Christopher no. Nolan making a feature film out of
2: it. No, absolutely. And you can't see the movie now, by the way.
1: No, I can't, obviously, at all. And yeah, I read the Hamilton biography way back in the day, like at the same time as Lin Manuel Miranda. And while I just digested the information and enjoyed the book, he made a global phenomenon play out of it. <laughs>
2: yeah. And
1: then when I told people I read the book, I didn't want them to think it was because of the play because I'm just that kind of person. You know, I was. Raised in the '90s, like Gen X, sellout. Like I don't want to be thinking like I'm like do people thinking I'm doing stuff because you know it's popular right. or something. Oh, that's
2: not, absolutely, not I've never done it. I've never enjoyed anything that's popular. In fact, no, I, me, me I ever. Make, yeah, I, I make a point not to enjoy it. I, yeah. I intentionally don't enjoy things that are popular. I do have to admit something though, and you may see it on my bookshelf behind here. I read the book to the what was the Wicked Witch play on Broadway? Wicked. Wicked. I read the book. I you mean, after the, the play. After the play. Came oh, there out. was a book. There, there was a book. Is this like storyboards book. from the play,
1: or no. is the, the the play is based on a book? The book
2: is good. I would dare say it's excellent. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and I I have a shame about that, but uh, I I so I, I have violated that rule once. The most popular
1: book I've ever read. So normally, too, I'm big on like. I either read the book or watch the film like I don't do either because like when I read the book I don't want to be picturing so this is another I read like this big huge biography on John Adams like 10 or 12 years ago
2: Oh God, I know what you're talking about oh it's from
1: David McCullough amazing book but then there was an HBO miniseries on it yeah and uh had Paul Giamatti played uh (laughs) played John Adams right and I wanted to give my grandfather the book for Christmas but everywhere i went they only had a like an updated cover that had apology amati as john adams and i'm like i don't want my grandpa picturing john adams as Apology giamatti so i went on this like long quest to find the original book cover
2: right i
1: did originally find but like so like i loved the movie no country for old men as every dad should like i'll never read the book i saw you i don't i don't
2: like i don't like the cohen brothers what really yeah i'm not i'm not not into they make
1: some real stinkers i will say or or occasionally they get too far up their their own, I believe the word is arse. arse um, yes. Hail Caesar was awful. Oh. Like, real oh, awful.
2: It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> truly awful. Truly, I mean, look, uh, there will be blood came out at the same time as No Country, right? It did. And I saw both, obviously. And I thought, well, one is great and the other is fine. And I, there will be blood, being the greatest movie ever made. Honestly. Well, I this
1: this is so funny. To say that. when I saw There Will Be Blood the first time, I thought that maybe it was the greatest film ever made. Yeah. I, I but then some. over the next two years, I underwent a transformation where I became a No Country for Old Men because that was like a huge debate, you know, yeah, in like the yeah. little like hipster world, and which film was better. And I eventually decided that it was No Country
2: for Old Men. Oh man, uh, I I I'm uh, I'm upset.
1: Fargo's not good. I love the Coen Brothers. I thought Fargo was terrible. Like uh,
2: I thought it was fine. It was like it was okay. It was not memorable, but it, apparently it's the greatest thing ever made. I
1: thought it was like a really, really mean spirited send up. Yes. Of like a, it was way too mean spirited. And occasionally that is they usually successfully toe the line between like send up and like like character study. But I thought Fargo. We're talking about a 26 year old movie. All the Zoomers love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So
2: that's why people tuned in today to hear our analysis of Cohen brothers movies from 26 years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but Fargo's bad. Uh, I, I was going to say much. I have books, movies. Oh, the most popular book I ever read was uh, the Da Vinci code. And that was, so I was to say that, that was where my point was going. I don't normally like to see both, but uh, back in the day, my now wife wanted to see the Da Vinci code movie. Like I really didn't want to. And for some reason I was like, I'm just going to read this dumb book. I read it in like two days and you know, it was actually a pretty good pop boiler. You got to give him props. And then the movie, like Tom Hanks, uh, like punches like an albino guy or something. It's a really <laughs> weird movie. It was bad.
2: The only thing I know about that movie or book is that some albino guy is whipping himself on the back. That's the only thing I know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what his name is. He's the bad guy. I think, I think and so. Eventually though, they do find the kidnappers and they free Leonardo da Vinci. Um, if you're wondering what it's about who I is think that's Jesus, his brother. Correct? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. And uh he's played by Paul Giamatti <laughs> in the movie. Uh, so yeah, a uh, real bad movie to be honest right. uh and stunning Monday news that clarified some draft week mach- machinations machinations another word that got to be careful with. DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended 6 games for violating the league's policy on performance enhancing how do you say that word, Denny? Enhancing? I've never seen this
2: word before. Enhancing. Enhancing. And Performance
1: enhancing substances. Denny, what is the fallout going to be in Arizona skill Corps? Is this kind of the end of DeAndre Hopkins as we know it, who is already trending in the wrong direction with second half slump in 2020, a big second half slump, an injury in 2021? Is his body breaking down? Is he taking PEDs? Because his body's breaking down. Let's just start with the fallout, though, I guess. No, actually, let's start with DeAndre Hopkins. Is this the end of DeAndre Hopkins as we know it? Uh,
2: Yes. Uh, I think that's the short answer is yes. Uh, He he released a statement Tuesday morning uh, where he dressed up in a hot dog, and he said, we're going to get to the bottom of this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, seriously, he actually used those words. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Uh, So we're hoping... He's trying to find the
1: guy who did this.
2: He is trying to find the guy. Uh, Hopefully, he does. But yes, look... Last year, if you, if you drafted Hopkins in the second round, like I did in several leagues, you felt good. And you felt good because of the target domination, just the sheer domination, right? But then you started to see his lines in the early season. They were fine, but they were touchdown dependent. And that has never been the case with Hopkins. Like There was a time when DeAndre Hopkins didn't score touchdowns at all. He just saw 18 targets a game caught 14 of them for 150 yards and and scored a ton of PPR points. He was skating by on touchdown on on unsustainable touchdown production. Then he got hurt. Now this, he hasn't played since early December. He's now not going to play until what is it, November or, or late no, October.
1: October, but Yeah,
2: late October. And uh and so yeah, I I think that there's like like should be wild concern about Hopkins place in, in this offense. I, I said on the podcast that we did on Sunday with, with Kyle and crane that like
1: uh, oh, like you name dropping.
2: I know both those guys. They, <laughs> they, they return my texts sometimes. It's amazing that that I, I thought that Marquise Brown had a pretty good shot of, of usurping Hopkins as the wide receiver one in Arizona. And, and now it has happened.
1: And that's when you didn't know, it, man. mean, in post-production, we added a laugh track when you said that. And now he was laughing now. Which was um, mean.
2: I thought that was mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like DeAndre, so no, last year he was, everyone was kind of just assuming going into the season. i was still going to be like Mr. Compiling DeAndre Hopkins because of the way he got off to that start with the Cardinals Were I'm looking at it now, he caught 42 balls. No, no, excuse me. 32 balls over his first three games as an Arizona Cardinal in 2020. So yeah. That, That kind of remained like the indelible image. And he had two huge games in December of 2020, but actually over his final seven games in 2020, he only cleared 60 yards twice. And he he only cleared 55 yards twice in the final seven games. I just remember kind of thinking, like, you know, what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins? Because a lot of those games, he had 13 targets, only turned him into 52 yards, 12 targets into 48, 10 into 35. I was kind of like, what is going on with DeAndre Hopkins? Right. And then, like, last year, you know, that it that wasn't a fluke. Like, that was kind of, like, the new norm with him last year, like you said. And, like, living off touchdowns, which, again, like you said, he had never done in his entire career. So, like, my antenna was already up on DeAndre. And so, like, I don't think – if you, like I, – I, I, this why my point is, like, I don't think people are going to be overreacting if they say, like, yeah, this is a huge deal. Like, DeAndre – we can probably just never regard DeAndre Hopkins as the same – like the suspension isn't like occurring in a vacuum. It's occurring at like basically a year and a half of declining production. Right. Something I said on Sunday. Yeah. And he's always been like a guy so reliant on like hand fighting and just like beating corners one-on-one and like winning in tight spaces. And he's not a huge guy. He's like six one. And those guys, a lot of times when they take a beating, they tend to age poorly. So I was just already worried about that. And yeah, that coupled with the suspension is I do think, it's not an overreaction to say like we should never expect the same DeAndre Hopkins again.
2: Yeah. When you talk about his redraft ADP, I mean, right now, as we speak, it's in the middle of the third round in 12 team leagues, obviously that's not going to hold and, and, and for good reason. But I mean, I'm looking at guys, you know, going in the fourth and fifth round and I'm going to need DeAndre Hopkins to drop below those guys. If I'm going to have interest in, in, in drafting him this year, I, I think you know, just looking at at the board right now, you get to the sixth round with like, oh man, like Devontae Smith and Brandon Ayuk. You know, I, I guess you take Hopkins because of the suspension. Now, no yeah, suspension, yeah. we're talking different. But you know, you lose this a huge chunk of the season. So I think I think in that range would make some sense. Uh, you know, and and maybe maybe he could be av- a value there. But I think I think this really just points to Marquise Brown being like a potential target hog. He was, he was a target hog when Lamar Jackson was, was healthy last year in Baltimore.
1: So yeah, that's, that'll be where I begin with Marquise Brown. And I'll say how high for Marquise Brown, not in the sense of like ADP, but like, what do you think is like a realistic fantasy finish for Marquise Brown? So at the end of next season, we're saying Marquise Brown is the wide receiver. You know, what? By, yeah. like, average PPR points. What do you think, like, a realistic finish for Marquise Brown is in 2022?
2: I mean, I I guess I'm I'm bullish. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying not to overstate it too much. But, like, top 24 for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, that's where – again, we're not, like, being super bold there. But now – so Marquise Brown had a shot to be top 24 even with uh like, right. a healthy every week. DeAndre Hopkins, I was already kind of at an over-under of wide receiver 24 when I thought Hopkins – was going to be playing because this was an offense with a lot of receiver targets last year, a lot of now missing receiver targets and AJ green and Christian Kirk. So I, I didn't think wide receiver 24 is insane. Now it's like, even if we kind of get like the same old Marquise Brown, like the ups and downs, the drop touchdowns, the big plays yeah. one week, the falling off next week, it's just almost impossible to see. He's probably a top 20 wide receiver at
2: this. Point. Yeah. I mean, okay. If I'm going to be a little bit bolder, I'm going to say I, I I'm happily, drafting him as a top 20 receiver. Um, And I think that he has upside for more. Now this Arizona offense doesn't exactly attack you downfield. We all know that, right. Which is, which is an issue, but Marquise Brown didn't thrive on that last year either. You know, he, he caught a lot of short area targets um, and kind of transformed into a, a a more uh, steady, I want to say boring fantasy producer than, the the wild ups and downs that we saw from twenty nineteen and twenty twenty.
1: What would you say we'd rather have with Marquise Brown? Compiling underneath Marquise Brown, or like the Cardinals trying to use him as like a true deep threat and maybe leading to some of that boom or bust. Which role do you think we'd rather see from Marquise Brown? Well,
2: I mean, ideally both. But if yeah. I had to choose one, <laughs> I, I would take I would take the former. I would take the underneath stuff and see if he can turn you know turn that into run after the catch. Uh, production because, you know, he is fast. And, and also it's it's like, you know, it's it's steadier, more reliable. I know you don't get those high value targets downfield. Um, but, you know, if the Cardinals are smart and they're not, uh, Marquise Brown will, will get some downfield shots from Kylo Murray, who is one of the three best deep ball throwers in the league per expected points added on deep balls. And he's had
1: a really hard time showing it because he just hasn't ever really had AJ Green, you know, whatever's going on with AJ Green last year with the Cardinals. He had the AJ Green downfield weirdness. He had the Christian Kirk downfield weirdness where it never just really, he just never really put it all together down the field or in any area of the field. Now he's making $17 million a year. And DeAndre Hopkins, we made a lot of like highlight reel down, down plays down the field with. Yeah. But as you know like anytime you go back and look at those highlights it's like with a db like <laughs> draped all over right. deandre hopkins and i'm kind of wondering like if marquise brown is like the best deep receiver kyler murray's ever had and isn't going in his fourth year where someone who might actually separate deep yeah. and he's not gonna have to throw it up and tell deandre like hey i need you to like win a hand fight with this guy and i think there's a chance to, yeah the cardinals offense man like the second the Cardinals get hit in the mouth, basically, anytime anything goes off schedule with their offense, yeah, they just go fully horizontal. Like it would be nice to actually create a vertical element and stick with it. And Marquise Brown is certainly capable
2: of that. And and the the locker room element between him and and Kyler Murray, who, you know, they played together in college, very productive together. You know, I, there's no way to quantify that, and you, and you you certainly shouldn't say, well, I'm drafting Marquise Brown because he played with Kyler Murray. Don't do that. But it is something I think about. I will say that. (laughs) And with, so Lamar Jackson too,
1: well, I'll close the book on this one. Made a lot of big plays down the field, Marquise Brown. But I feel like those had to be like designed and like schemed kind of like a lot of like, like Lamar Jackson's big plays down the field. I feel like a lot of times a result of like scheme and like, you know, someone's was like running like wide open. Whereas like Kyler Murray, I think like I can throw downfield bombs. They don't have to be like schemed and designed necessarily. And I think that could be a big boon. For Marquise Brown. I mean, Denny, is it going to be Rondale Moore season? Or is this something where we, we kind of need to give up the ghost already? Where, I don't know, is he just too small? Like the team clearly didn't have a ton of faith in him last year. Are you bullish at all on Rondale Moore after
2: this? I mean, they had like a, a receiver injury apocalypse last year. And Moore still didn't get fed. So Very concerning. I, I don't know. You know, I, I, did I want him to succeed? I, I did because he's an analytic starling. Um, but it seems like analytics starlings, uh, you know, sometimes don't actually translate on the field, which is uh, an issue ever. that I don't want to talk about ever, but uh, you know, you know he, but... it'd be
1: nice. sorry, our weekly appeal to analytics to work ever in the NFL. <laughs>
2: it, would be, <laughs> it would be nice if one guy that the analytics community likes succeeded, that would be, that would be awesome.
1: If one guy, um, the analytics community actually liked didn't get drafted on day three by the bucks and then cut within two years.
2: That would... <laughs> that would be We're ho- we're hoping that happens before twenty forty. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cross our fingers. No, I, I I don't have any hope that Rondell Moore becomes like a consistent, reliable fantasy producer, even in this Hopkins list offense. You know, I, I think I think it probably. You know, uh, we haven't talked about James Conner. We talked about him on the Sunday show uh, about you know him being a, a winner of the of the draft. You know, maybe it leads to more touches for James Connor. You know, out of the backfield. I, I, I'm not. I'm out on more.
1: Yeah, it's quite possible. And James Connor, by the way, Keontae Ingram. We're not going to talk about him in our zero RB segment. But he's an interesting sixth rounder in the Cardinals' backfield to keep an eye on in your rookie drafts. And I, I buy into being concerned about Rondell Moore's rookie year because, I mean, he wouldn't be the first receiver to have a rough rookie year and then come out and still be good. But the fact that they had the wide receiver apocalypse the fact that his game is like designed touches and like screen touches and it still didn't happen. Like it's not the kind of stuff. Yeah. That takes years to learn. Like he was supposed to be that kind of player, like the instant offense, like the the touches in a can stuff basically. And it just never happened. And it was, it was very, very good for a guy. I mean, who's literally five foot seven. Like it was pretty concerning.
2: Yeah. I, you know, the fact that we can kind of ignore that sometimes, like, Five seven. We're gonna really put our eggs in the five seven basket. I, I, uh, uh makes me a little, a little if- iffy on the uh, evaluation there.
1: I mean, you. I don't know. You might not have a strong opinion on this yet, but does the card, the Cardinals, I believe, did they use their first pick? I believe on Trey McBride. I think their first pick of draft weekend was on yes. Trey McBride in yes. the second round. Pass catching tight end. Does this dampen our faith in Zach Ertz at all, or is this this kind yeah. of? Maybe they used a lot of tight ends last year, just more two tight end sets. I mean, they do need more, they just needed place to funnel places to funnel targets, basically. Do you think Trey McBride will kind of curb Zach Ertz's tight end one appeal at all?
2: Um I you know, I want to say no, because first of all, there there's the 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 difficulty of a tight end transitioning from college to the NFL is well documented. Like hardly anyone escapes that. Uh, even, you know, even Kyle Pitts struggled, you know, and, and I, he had a oh, overall I mean. fine, an overall fine season. I'm not saying that, but, you know, he's not. But I think his rookie year is going to pale in comparison yeah, yeah. to his future years and and uh, because of that experience and everything. So, no, I'm I'm not worried. And, and the Cardinals love Zach Ertz. Uh, he they fits. Do. He fits what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do, which is to gain six to seven yards per play. And yes. that's it. And, and and he's great at catching it and falling down. And, you know, that's all that's all they want. So I, I'm not too worried about uh, Ertz.
1: Yeah, he's millennial Jason Witten at this point. And yeah. well, there are worse things to be. Sure. And yeah, they, they need targets. and So yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about it either. Uh, I mean,
2: who are, who are the other receivers on the Cardinals? Do you know? There's a guy that Kingsbury uh, brought to uh, fr- from his college days to the team. I forget his name now he I had him in DFS like every week for a while <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's bad
1: uh who is that guy yeah you uh,
2: you you hated him uh, yeah uh,
1: what was his name well, he, we do this for a living um you know the guy oh yeah Antoine Wesley
2: yeah Antoine um, Wesley yeah, yeah well anyway wait, there, there's nevertheless there's not not much not much there
1: so, I mean Andy Isabella breakout right?
2: Well, they're you know they're they're still trying to deal Isabella another analytics guy, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're 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 hoping he lands uh, in New England.
1: We just want it to work once. We say again, we are analytics supporters. We right. are not hater. We just want it to work once.
2: And, and we're now <laughs> screaming one time.
1: Yeah, just one time. Brandon Staley, convert one fourth down, please. Does <laughs> we need you to convert a single fourth down in 2022? So yeah, end of the day, we are concerned about DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown. I mean, he'd be you would have to be a pretty bad player not to be a top twenty wide receiver. Basically, I think it's more oh, yeah. settled on this debate. Denny, no team has ever been down worse at a position than the Panthers are at quarterback. Rather than acquiring a veteran or using a first round pick to address the issue, they have supplemented Sam Darnold with third rounder Matt Corral. I'll just begin by asking who do we think starts more games for the Panthers in 2022? Sam Darnold or Matt Corral?
2: I mean, I'll go with geez. I want to go with Darnold because partly because the the, the team seems like it's leaning that way, you know. Uh, and also, also they've made pretty big improvements to the offensive line, particularly pass blocking. And that's something that absolutely doomed both Darnold and Cam Newton last year was their complete inability to protect the quarterback at any situation whether it was you know an obvious pass situation or not they just they couldn't protect the the passer uh, so i think with that Darnold has a chance to establish himself but man i mean it, who, who who would be shocked if the rookie comes in and, and starts eight nine ten games you know
1: i do wonder too if some of the protection issues last year just were like the classic quarterback where like the defense isn't respecting sam darnold down the field they're obviously not respecting cam newton down the field since his arm was just yeah. totally gone
2: yeah
1: and i just don't i don't think even the panthers could really rationalize more than a couple of games from sam darnold and i actually do think it'll be matt corral who i mean this is where like i come in as like a draft amateur like i would have straight up just rather drafted matt corral than kenny pickett i thought like he kind of like did everything kenny pickett did but, like just a little bit faster i feel like he's just like the slightly better version Kenny Pickett, like, across the board, like, I like his arm better, like, he doesn't panic in the pocket, he kind of has, like, a sense of daring do, uh, look it up,
2: daring do,
1: daring do, he has a sense of daring do, he's, like, an adventurous player, kind of got him into trouble, he takes some, like, really big hits, apparently, you know, supposedly Lane Kiven's offense right now isn't, like, very complex, but I just liked his overall demeanor, I liked his physical traits, and, like, no team like Sam Darnold's not gonna be getting the benefit of the
0: doubt. Like i
2: mm-hmm. are gonna right.
1: be like he's like in the classic like yeah. he can't even have one bad game
0: basically. That's true. Yeah,
2: yeah. You talked me out of it. You're right. The the, the Corral's gonna start a bunch of games. Yeah. I, I, the per APA only Zach Wilson was worse than Darnold last year um, among starters. And by the way, Zach Wilson was considerably worse but See, you
1: would never know that from the tenor of our conversations with jets fans on twitter Oh,
2: you, you uh, somehow uh they, they they have a lot they have a lot of faith in zach wilson yeah. despite an utterly disastrous uh rookie season there i look I, i've looked gotta I've serve looked, somebody i mean okay you said i you, you you said recently that i never stopped writing well i wanted to write a piece on a glimmer of hope for both Zach Wilson, well, all three rookies from uh, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I can't find any. Oh, <laughs> no, <my laughs> no, I can't. I can't didn't find
1: think any that one. was going to be the reveal.
2: And listen, I, I, you know me. If I find something, I can write on it. Right? You will cling, right? I will, I will, I will grab on for dear life <laughs> and write it out for a thousand words and publish it. Right? I can't. There's nothing there.
1: It's interesting. So Zach Wilson, I mean, that's understand. I mean, Zach Wilson though, to be totally like on the record, I have not closed the book on Zach Wilson. It's just, it was a really, really tough scene. We'll just see, like, it's just way too early. I, I saw, I guess I saw a lot more Justin Fields last year for whatever, partly because the bears are like always like, I just basically saw like every bears game where they they
2: had 11 primetime games.
1: Yeah. I think I probably only saw like half the Panthers games. And I saw like almost probably literally 13 or 14 bears games. Oh, and that's terrible just it was it was hard to find reasons for hope with justin fields like i know we pinned it all on matt nagy but he he wasn't good at all he just wasn't good no and... there,
2: there was never there you know i remember there was a second half against pittsburgh late in the season
1: Oof, man that where, was bad
2: where well or was it the first one of those halves he was okay and I just remember thinking, okay, well, th- this could be it, and it, it wasn't. I
1: think maybe that was a Monday night game yeah. where he did have a really good half, and then I think he like sabotaged the game in the second half, basically.
2: Yeah. Because um, was...
1: I think that was a Monday night. Yeah, it was a Monday night game. Oh yeah, that was the he averaged ten yards per attempt, but he only completed seventeen passes. Um, they of course lost. That was the game. I think after halftime, he was essentially like point shaving. I think he oh I God, I'm getting please. maybe I'm just making up facts as I go along is by why our very fuzzy memories of this game oh the game where he oh yeah the game where he was amazing not awful right uh, right but uh
2: I'll tell you he looked good in the preseason you got to give it to him yeah you, you do have to hand it, it to him there
1: um man but man and you know we taught we kind of beat this to death on the Sunday show the Bears are clearly just like Justin, if you want to be good, it's a free country. You go ahead and do that, but we're not going to help you be good. And yeah. if you're good, that's really good news for us. If you're not good, we are a new front office and we're looking for a new quarterback.
2: That's right. Yeah, look, the speech is free, Justin, so you go ahead and yeah. you you, get, you give it your best go. Uh, yeah. We're not going to help you at all.
1: We're not going to censor you. We're not going to help you. That's just like kind of the free market. We're not going to censor you, but we're not going mm-hmm. to help you. Uh does the landing spot still exist for Baker Mayfield? Ooh. Like, is it kind of like the Seahawks or nowhere for Baker Mayfield or if it was going to be the Seahawks, would he already be on the Seahawks?
2: Well, yeah, I, I you know, I think that that kind of sums it up. Like why not? Why? If, if the Seahawks are the only team where he fits, why haven't they pulled the trigger and, and taken him on? Uh, I mean, I guess the answer is because he was so atrocious in 2021. But you know, you don't have to look far back to see that he's a, he he can be a viable starting quarterback, and that's not saying much, honestly. You know, it, uh, but but he but he can be, and he would be an improvement over presumed Week One starter Geno Smith. Yeah, I believe
1: they're the one team where he would just be like clearly like the best quarterback in the yeah. line. Like they yeah. need, I may mean, I guess maybe the answer to why haven't they done it yet is, I guess that it had already become clear. Maybe they kind of had a sense how the draft was going to shake out that they were already kind of the only destination and, like, they have nothing to gain. Like, they have everything to gain just by waiting, by smoking the Browns out, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, I guess that's not true. I guess the Panthers were legitimately in the mix. But, I mean, the Seahawks are his only shot. And the only other place, like, maybe Houston, where I do think they would start Davis Mills anyway, like, could use a legit backup. A weird one, I think, is maybe the Saints. who Like, he could go there and be a backup. Like, you could be sold to him, like, listen, you're not going to start. Yeah. You know, like, this is the Saints. We're, we've added some weapons. Like, just sit tight behind Jameis Winston. If he fails, which he's been known to do, you'll get to play. Um, well, he, yeah.
2: could pull it, he could yeah. go full Trubisky, right? And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, just, and sit out for a year. Everybody forgets that he had a really bad season in 2021. And then he's starting for – or he has four teams interested in his services like Trubisky did this season, this offseason.
1: I'm really haunted by jumping the gun on the Justin fields and just assuming he was bad they, I, man we got I'm gonna dig into this Bears Steelers game after the podcast um,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, but, uh, we're gonna need some film analysis We are gonna
1: need some film analysis and we're gonna do that during this short break we'll be right
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home to move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. back just a reminder if you don't have the nbc sports
1: predictor app powered by points bet to go download it now the contests are free and easy to play and you have a shot to win thousands of dollars by predicting what will happen in the nba playoffs the premier league on the pga tour and the nascar circuit denny i man i wrote an intro for that i'm not even gonna say it i was gonna say denny i scream you scream we all scream for zero rb <laughs> i still just said it um but
2: I think uh, I think I need a new co-host. Actually,
1: yeah. I mean, my uh, God, uh, I am. Don't let the lawyers hear this. One. We
2: definitely don't all scream. No. For, uh In fact, uh, zero RB people are screamed at. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah. Very good point. But with the draft and free agency having come and gone, we finally have a picture of what the running back landscape is going to look like. I'm just going to ask you about some backfields and their zero RB ness. But we're going to start with you and some rookies who you think might be fits for zero RB builds coming out of the weekend. Who's the first back you want to talk about?
2: Uh, Damian Pierce in Houston, you know, the the Texans uh, added him to a backfield with uh, Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, who, you know, feels inevitable, honestly, that Rex Burkhead is going to have 200 carries this year at some point. So, uh, But, you know, Pierce uh, was never a workhorse in college but he was extremely productive and efficient on his limited touches, six and a half yards per touch in his final season in college. So uh, uh, Nick Casario, the GM for Houston today, Tuesday said that uh, Pierce is going to have to create his own role in the backfield. And so you have to, you, I think you have to brace yourself if you're going to take him as a zero RB type guy, late, very late in drafts, you have to brace for old school coach Levy Smith and old school culture obsessed Nick Casario uh, saying, hold up. He's a rookie. He's last in line. Like, you know, we're going to give the ball to this guy. We're going to give the ball to that guy. Pierce has to earn his stripes. Eventually though, you, you, you would trust. Well, gosh, I, with the Texans, you don't know, but you would, you would hope against hope that uh, his talent would rise to the level where he could climb the depth chart. And become you know something of a fantasy option
1: yeah, he's kind of coming into the league the league with what i would say is like a Kenyon drake profile where he was like a four-year contributor who could do a little bit of everything but yeah it was just never the featured guy he finally his season high for carries the florida was 106 he actually never even reached 20 receptions in the season yeah so it is a strange it's a very strange resume but he could do a little bit of everything it's a backfield with very very few impediments in front of him like you said other than the mindset and yeah, you know, there's just i totally agree there's just no way this job will be like handed
2: to him no he, i mean he, he's nor gonna, should it be but uh but he's gonna have to blow them away yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i i mean and you know just talking about this backfield it might just be marlon mack i mean i, might I
1: know like i, guess, just, I, yeah. I the people the, <laughs> the media is not actually talking about is marlon mack being on the texans
2: he was good he used to be really good uh, two years ago, uh, not, uh, not a long time ago, two years ago. Well,
1: two years and one Achilles tendon ago. Ah, oh, yes, I forgot. Nevertheless, uh, yeah, Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack. I mean, Daria Gunbawalae is maybe on the Texans still. I'm not actually sure about that. I mean,
2: yeah, uh, he is. Yeah. Okay, uh,
1: but not yeah. So the, if he has a good camp, a good preseason, if he like dots his eyes and crosses his T's, he could have a role from the get-go on the season but he's like a classic zero RB. you take him with like, there's a plausible path to touches yeah. and upside, but also a plausible path to it. Not happening.
2: right. Uh, another, uh another zero RB option new to the league is uh, I think Tyler Algier in uh, Atlanta. You have Mike Davis being released by the Falcons on, uh, on Monday Algier has, has a pretty solid profile as, as a, as a potential every down back. Now, you know, we, we, I, I've seen some chatter about well, what about CPAT? What about Corderell Patterson? I, I I don't I don't buy this idea that Patterson's going to be just reinserted into the role that we enjoyed. Uh, no. because because by the end of the season he didn't have that role. He didn't have anything close to that role. Okay? No, and
1: they also like waited a really long time to re-sign him where it seems like they decided like, yeah, this was too good to be true, basically. Right.
2: Yeah, and so I I don't really see him as an impediment. And uh we we know that Arthur Smith loves to establish, and that is that is one one thing we know. Curiously though, the Falcons, the Falcons didn't have the lead a lot in 2021, but when they did, they were actually kind of pass heavy. They had the third highest pass rate while leading last year. I don't really know, you know, what what that means for you know going forward, but Arthur Smith's history of play calling suggests that that's not not exactly what he wants to do so it could be a a, you know run first run heavy attack algier at the head of that could be could be valuable
1: are you going to be zero or being damian williams more or tyler algier Algier more denny
2: probably probably algier i think Uh, so too yeah damian williams is a little a little long in the tooth as the kids tell me and um you know a little bit a little bit far removed from his peak production. I, I, I'm not super interested.
1: Yeah. I mean, he just turned 30 years old and had the classic Damian Williams day. He's had more than 50 carries one time. He got just lapped yeah. by Khalil Herbert right. on the bears last year behind David Montgomery. I mean, Damian Williams is the kind of guy, I mean, I don't even know if he'll make the 53 man
2: roster. Yeah. I was, to to you mind. know, I didn't want to overstate it too much, but I think that's definitely a possibility that he, he will not have a team come week
1: one like he's been like so near and dear to everyone's zero rb heart for so long that it's like very hard for people to quit him but yeah i would not assume like he i'd much rather bet on the rookie than
2: damian oh yeah oh yeah
1: And who is our third zero rb rookie
2: uh third guy is I know. i i've lost the i've lost list oh we have uh james cook captain james
1: James cook Cook, the famed british explorer has Back from the dead, now in the Bills' backfield,
2: and he is in the Bills' backfield now. Bills' GM, I always want to say Billy Bean. It's not Billy Bean; it's Brandon Bean. said uh, said on Tuesday that they see Cook as a quote sub back. Now this means apparently a pass catching back, <laughs> and uh, and and he he mentioned that.
1: You think that people think you're not a real football guy?
2: The Bills, it's it's shocking, really. The Bills, the the Bills uh, are, are are absolutely uh, heartbroken. By J.D. McKissick getting away this offseason, it's all they've talked about since it happened. Yeah,
1: Brandon Bean. J.D. McKissick had to change his phone number three times. It's, it's like, true. Stop. We're
2: we, stop. <laughs> please stop texting me, Billy. Stop it. <laughs> Brandon. Sorry. And, <laughs> and and so and so of course, you know, right on schedule, Brandon Bean mentions, "Well, we didn't get McKissick, so we we want." <laughs> Did he really to- do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, yeah. So James Cook, we see him as as that as that sort of guy. He complimented his uh, route running, Cook's route running, and everything. You know, I, I, but I, I don't, I don't know if there's, if there's a lot of uh, fantasy juice to be had in this Buffalo backfield. The Bills had the third highest pass rate over expected in 2021. Buffalo had a 56% pass rate while leading last year. That's the fourth highest in the league. And Josh Allen has never really targeted running backs in the past game. 15% target share to running backs over his career which is right in line with like Lamar Jackson and, and Deshaun Watson. It's typical basically for a mobile quarterback, not to dump it off to their running backs. Like we talked about uh, several times in the show. So I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like prioritizing Singletary or cook as, as guys, you know, who, who will uh, emerge. Now, if they get the whole workload, like we saw with Singletary, that can be very valuable, but if they're splitting, that's that makes them both like basically not fantasy options.
1: Yeah, like you said, the the Bills are one of the rare teams that are, I would say, far more likely to abandon the run than establish the run. Like they like take great joy in abandoning the run. And but it's so there's just like a lot going on here. They needed a more effective run game last season, but yeah. they didn't get an effective run game until they finally cut down on what a, oftentimes is a three man committee. And just committed to Devin Singletary and Josh Allen. Like it was only then that they just kind of like cut out the committee nonsense. They had an effective running game at all, which I know is kind of like almost like superstition based, like, oh, this team like this just like blame running game struggles on committees. It probably doesn't actually make any sense. But the probably is also something like you said is like keep the one guy out there, just let him like gain confidence, let them like you know, get reps, like chemistry, I guess, and just like the running yeah. game was not effective, basically, so they went down to only Devin Singletary. On the other hand, I can understand not wanting to go all in on Devin Singletary, but I just do think maybe they'll hang on there. Like, Are they really going to try to like, like force this committee to happen again where it just didn't happen for two years between Zach Moss and Devin? They had never, ever successfully deployed the committee approach with Zach Moss right. and Devin Singletary.
2: Right. So I I, I think it's, it's more likely that Devin Singletary takes on – you know something resembling a an every down role than it is for James Cook to take that on. James Cook was was rarely used as a rusher in college. Like really, didn't see a whole lot of uh, of action in the running game. Was primarily used as a pass catching back. Obviously, the Bills are are fixated on this idea of the back catching passes. Which, by the way, Singletary does. He does yeah. that. Like I, you know, they they always this is this drives me nuts in the draft. Good teams, good offensive teams spend, you know, draft capital at running back. Cause it's a, called a luxury pick, right? We're like, we're good at tight end. We're good at quarterback. We're good at wide receiver. So what else do we do? What else? Uh, we gotta, we gotta spend at the, at the one position where we're not dominating. You gotta go to the local
1: high-end mall, go into Neiman Marcus for some reason. Yeah. Buy a thousand dollar Gucci shirt.
2: And, it, and that's what James Cook basically is. It's, it's, it's the $1,200 Gucci and, and, uh, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Stop, stop doing the luxury pick thing, teams, please.
1: <laughs> it is true. And yeah, uh, Devin Singletary. I so do you think Devin Singletary is he gonna be now like is this gonna be a classic where we read far too much into this draft pick and it's like forget about Devin Singletary or not forget, just like That's none sweet. of the sharps like want to touch Devin Singletary all summer, basically. And do you think he will maybe become like a nice zero RB target, as he has been in the past?
2: That's right. That's right. That's a great that's a great uh, point. And I hope it happens now. Singletary right now is going in the eighth round right around Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard. And for some reason that I cannot understand Raheem Mostert, Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe with this pick, maybe with enough hype around James Cook in the summer and with some preseason run and everything, maybe Singletary, you know, conceivably drops into like the 10th round, maybe 11th round, something like that. I would be you know I'd be borderline thrilled to take Devin Singletary there uh, if if you are going in that 0 RB direction.
1: I feel like by the time we're back to real drafts like in the real redraft season like he's going to be like right back in like that his ancestral home of like the 5th to 6th <laughs> round I think Devin Singletary. Yeah. It's just kind of he is like the cla- I mean like he basically like created the dead zone Devin Singletary. And- yeah. He's like the quintessential
2: RB dead zone back. I uh, I take no pleasure in saying you're probably right.
1: So yeah, we'll see. But so then, would you just be totally out on Devin Singletary if he's like a sixth round pick?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't I don't really see like the value in in uh, it, taking him there and and then hoping that you know either Cook struggles or not, not hoping he gets hurt. I'm not saying that, but like, it, on, if he got hurt,
1: Jeez. On, man. Kids you listen to the show. Yeah.
2: producer, please edit this out. Uh, no, and,
1: uh, I want people to see Denny's true character.
2: <laughs> I've been exposed, but you know, but, but, you know, a sixth round pick is, uh, is I think is a bad bet on Singletary.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. Was it a bad bet last year? I'll close the up. Like, cause like, man, would you well, have been happy if you got Devin Singletary as a sixth round pick
2: last you, year? You had to wait 14, 15 weeks. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, if you if you could get through those, then yeah, sure, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, no, well, you're the, right. You're it's right. the same. I mean, any anybody who we draft in the you know fourth to sixth round who takes, you know, takes three months to get going. I don't know if that counts. I, I want to say your boy, uh David Montgomery. Fits That bill, yeah, I mean, he, hey,
1: come <laughs> on, man. Leave Demont out of this, and if you don't want seven, to take three months to get going, I mean, James Cook, like to get from England to New Zealand, I mean, that's at least four or five months. So,
2: you're hammering this joke, you're just, you're going, <laughs> you, you, won't, you won't you won't, leave it alone.
1: I almost said earlier that, uh, so what you're saying is he doesn't have his sea legs, Denny.
2: Oh man. oh man that's, good. Yeah, it's that's a, good
1: new zealand is a long way from england out there on the old ocean so uh, uh, i'm gonna is. ask you denny about two backfields before we leave the patriots are just addicted to this sort of thing apparently oh. drafted two more running backs over the weekend including fourth round small school prospect pierre strong he's kind of like a three down jackrabbit type at south dakota state he ran a four three seven forty at the combine what do you think this means for Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, James White? I mean, they have like five or six running backs, all of whom should have like legitimate shots at making the 53-man roster right now. Like, do you have any feel for what's going on in this Patriots backfield?
2: I think Ramondre St- Stevenson is really good. Like, I do I, too. I, I think that he's he's excellent. I think that, you know, Ivan Fears, who's been the running backs coach in New England for 150 years, said, since uh, the times of James Cook. Since, right. He knew him. Uh, said, you know, said as much last year. This kid is good, you know, and and we, he just needs to, you know, get his head on straight or whatever old coaches say. And, and uh, you know, and he flashed, he flashed in the rare instances where he was given a chance to. So, I you know, I guess I don't have any feel for like who the team wants to succeed or their plan. I don't think they know the plan. They don't even know. They don't even have an offensive coordinator. They have Matt Patricia coaching the offense, which is, which is something. It's quite something. And uh, you know, so I, if I had to like lean any direction, I would say Stevenson because of his likely ADP compared to Damian Harris, who, you know, will, will not be, will not be cheap, no matter what happens here. I mean, you have Damian Harris going in the fourth round right now and no thank you to that.
1: Assuming Damian Harris though leads the backfield and touches, like who who's gonna have the second most touches in this backfield? Remindry Stevenson, James Harris, right? Or James, excuse me, James White or option three.
2: I guess I guess James White, the way that they uh. have traditionally operated, but McDaniels is gone. McDaniels was the screen game guy. Uh White is also coming back from a I guess a catastrophic hip injury. Yeah. That uh, you know, he's still not He's, he's, he's still not ready to, you know, to play, to work out, to participate in team activities. So that, so his availability, I think, I think will will determine a lot about the direction of this backfield in the summer.
1: I will say, Pierre Strong's selection like gives them the option to probably cut James White if he's not probably, healthy yeah. in, in training camp. But then again, like the idea of Bill Belichick committing to like a rookie change of pace back, I feel like it was almost zero percent. So. We'll just see, but he does seem like he's there in case James White can no longer be there. But yeah, he's not going to have Pierre Strong, a guy coming out at the FCS like throwing blitz pickups. In week I, one,
2: I think, I I think it's going to be really hard uh, with you know with the Patriots drafting uh, Tyquan Thompson uh, uh, Thornton, Tyquan Ta- Thornton, Taequann Thornton and, and 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 Strong. I think it's going to be really hard to like get excited about any Patriots player. And for fantasy purposes this year,
1: yeah, because it's the classic like when you have eight number four receivers, you really have zero number four receivers, yeah. Uh, because they have seriously like eight number four type receivers, and yeah, never seen anything quite like. I'm just gonna go through it really, but Nelson Aguilar, Kenny Bourne, is Nikhil Harry still on the team? Uh, no, yeah, so. Jacoby Myers, Devonte Parker, Taquan Thornton, my goodness, like, uh.
2: Right and and like Thornton like cancels out Aguilar, yeah, you know. I mean, like there's I mean, a lot of I mean,
1: canceling going on here. And and
2: and Parker is the same guy as as Meyer.
1: Yeah, need a lot more free speech in this Patriots or we're, SuperCore. We're gonna need we're gonna need an influx of speech. By the way, he actually is still on the team, Nikhil Harry. No, oh <laughs> yeah. man, I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> Wow, I've, I've misinformed the listening public. On, yeah, I mean,
1: Elon is not going to like you spreading fake news. Oh,
2: I, I, I thought, wait, that's my that's
1: well, my right. You're not spreading the kind of fake news he wants. Oh, I, so you're, you've are you been re-banned. Um, oh, well. Yeah, I let myself believe in Rashad Penny after his hot finish last year for some reason. But what many feared all along that it would be a mirage. It's probably safe to say it was confirmed as such after Seattle used the number 41 overall pick on you could argue is the draft's best overall back in Michigan State's Kenneth Walker. We'll maybe talk about Walker a little bit, but is, is Penny zero RB now? Like in a guy who finally put something amazing on film, like will be probably close to free in drafts. Is he zero RB or is Rashad Penny just like zero everything?
2: Well, first I, first I want to I want to hit you over the head with Rashad Penny's current ADP, which is 604.
1: Wow. That is, that is high. even that higher seems, than, uh, I mean, I would have not considered him there. Seems rich, seems yeah, rich
2: to me. My goodness. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the athletics, Michael Sean Duggar, who is a, a, a good, a very good, uh, plugged in beat writer for Seattle. He said, uh, this week that, that he could see Kenneth Walker starting multiple games, climbing the depth chart if he looks good in the summer that they definitely did not draft him just because they drafted him for a reason. Uh, They drafted him as partly as a head. I mean, only the Seahawks, honestly, but they, they, they drafted him as, as a hedge against Chris Carson, maybe not being able to play, but according to Duggar, Chris Carson would be the starter. If he is, you know, it's a look, look, man, the Seahawks fans out there. I feel, I feel for you. I argue with you a lot online. Uh, I don't, I don't particularly love a lot of you, but, but you, but you guys are down bad, real bad. Like I, (laughs) Like you, like to me, it's clear that the Seahawks fan base doesn't have any idea how down bad they are, and no. and th- this this uh pick of Walker was absolutely unforgivable on every level.
1: Well, some of and, the leaders of the movement, like Ben Baldwin, D- Danny Kelly, I mean, I think they know.
2: Dana Kimes.
1: Yeah, they all know, but the the forces in their armies do not know.
2: The armies. The armies have blindfolds on. They are marching behind Pete Carroll for some reason. Guys, Smith, folks, folks, it's over. It's <laughs> over for you. You're done. You're, th- you're a two to three win team. Anyway, they gotta uh, get
1: Baker Mayfield. I, mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. They have to get Baker Mayfield. They just yeah. absolutely have to get Baker Mayfield.
2: So if Penny, because if Walker emerges and Penny drops to double digit rounds, yeah, sure, definitely. I I I'm all I'm all about that. It, you know. He was the most productive uh back in the league over the over the final six weeks of last season.
1: Yeah, I don't really care like what is said or what I read over the summer. I'm not gonna take any Chris Carson talk oh, no! Seriously. Oh no. no. There's no point. Uh-uh. Like, nope. He's the number three back there now. And like they should just get it over with. He just he should just be the backup on the Saints already. Like just get it over with and be the backup on the Saints. That's feels like we're Chris Car- like a classic Saints move, like a situation where Chris I mean if if he can even play, you know. Right.
2: And I, and I feel, I feel for him. That guy gave his body to, to, to the game and to the Seahawks. Uh, no one played with, with more passion than Chris Carson. And, and uh, you know, the team seems to be, you know, hinting with this draft pick of Walker, hinting that the Carson era is uh, over.
1: Yeah. I mean, Chris Carson is like, when he first started, people were like, wow, this guy runs angry. Like hope he doesn't get hurt. And got hurt yeah. a lot because he ran very angry. He did. and yeah, just be more zen in your life. Well, yeah. um,
2: you know, if you're a running back, you here's what you do. You you, you don't block, and you and, and you get out of bounds. Yeah, don't ever block. No.
1: Don't ever block. Unless you play for Bill Belichick, because then he'll just be oh. a – Because he won't cut you, but he will. He'll make you a healthy scratch every week.
2: <laughs> right. If you if you miss one block, it happened with Stevenson. He yeah, missed yeah, one yeah. block, and he was a healthy scratch for three yeah. weeks. <laughs>
1: yeah, because you're not getting cut, you're not going anywhere better, but you're just not playing. So if You're on the Patriots. You really do need to block. Otherwise, just don't block. Um, that's it for today. I was gonna try and make a pun there. I was like, don't block this show, folks. Um, <laughs> before. well, the puns weren't really working that well today, especially yeah. if you don't know who James Cook is.
2: <laughs> Uh, <laughs> look it up, you know, look, open the Google tab and, and and say James Cook not running back.
1: Yeah, the James Cook Wikipedia, I can assure you, is amazing and will take you down many, many amazing rabbit holes. So check out the Captain James Cook Wikipedia. Check out com, where we have tons of amazing post-draft content, including, Denny mentioned our draft wrap-up show, which will be actionable for several weeks. Myself, Pat Corain, Kyle Dvorak, and Denny. Really, really good stuff. Really good stuff going up on the site all week. I'm sure Denny has stuff coming out as he always does.
2: I do. I'm tr- um, I'm turning them out. Uh, I have my my veteran winners and losers from the draft. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I have a uh, a, a deep ball uh, passer column coming out on Thursday.
1: Yeah, awesome stuff. Especially the vet- veterans, winners and losers. Check that out for sure. I've been waiting for the deep ball article too. Um, I've been wondering I'm where I'm working
2: on it. it. Turns out it's it's quite quite a bit of a quite a heavy lift. For- yeah. And, of
1: course, we're going into draft guide season. um, To take people
2: behind the curtain. So hope you're prepared, Denny. Um, uh, Mentally, I'm not.
1: Thank you so much for listening. For Denny, I am Pat. We will catch you later in the week.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time.